Anyanga Sayo, welcome to After Nuna Delight. We are Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare recs for good measure, because why not ride the Hallie wave all the way to shore? So grab some duck bookie and listen to your new favorite unis. Hey, everybody. Hey, happy, uh, I don't know what day we're in of the of the pandemic i realized the other day that i think we were like 323 days out of school at this point (laughs) oh my god and probably felt every single you are (laughs) (laughs) probably felt every single one (laughs) next next month it's a year i know i know i just you know if I guess just doing like the numbers on it was like, yeah, you know it. And then like you feel it, but somehow I've like blocked a lot of that. And so I felt it the other day when I was like, okay, yep. <laughs> do you, do you want to know what makes me really upset though? Is that we didn't discover K-drama a year ago. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that we had to wander lost for a while before we, we got did. Maybe that makes the victory and like, you know, the reward all the sweeter. I don't know. Well, I'm glad we found it now. And also, well, yeah, I'm kind of like why I wish we were doing this podcast like last summer would have gotten me through the summer a heck of a lot better than whatever else I was doing. Right. Well, I think we can all agree COVID sucks, but today's podcast does not. Right. (laughs) You like that? (laughs) Excellent segue. Excellent segue. (laughs) Thank you. I do my best. So Place a world-weary 900-year-old immortal god and an amnesiatic-stricken grim reaper, a 19-year-old orphan, a haughty third-generation chabul into an atmospheric soul mansion with entirely too many candles. Throw in a killer original soundtrack, a magical sword, and a sassy chicken shop owner with an affinity for jade rings. Meridate the whole plot in Korean folklore, rom-com, and sincere meditations on death, reincarnation, grief, and forgiveness. What's that a recipe for? One of the most hilariously charming shows on soul-crushing pain that I've ever seen. That's right, this week we're starting the first of our deep dive series into Guardian, the Lonely and Great God, aka Goblin, which we're going to use as the title moving forward in the episode because it's just easier that way. Heads up, this episode does contain spoilers as we will discuss different aspects to the plot and character arcs. So you've been warned. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for all those K-drama reviews that don't make it on the show, features of our K-Rex, behind the scenes of the show, and fun and games featuring actors, K-pop icons, and trivia. Also, don't forget to subscribe since we're a new little baby pod. So please help us make our way out in the world by leaving us a short review. So let's do this. Goblin tells the story of Kim Shin, an immortal goblin who is pretty much over his long existence, like more than 900 years of existence, and ready to end his life. But he can't peace out into the great hereafter until he can find the goblin's bride, the special lady who will remove the magical sword embedded in his heart that is the source of his immortal powers. The tale starts out with Kim Shin's past as a human. We first see him on the battlefield as a badass warrior who is soon betrayed by a jealous young king for Kim Shin basically being too awesome and popular. 
He gets a sword through the heart and is dumped in a field to basically rot away without a burial until God takes pity. He resurrects him with eternal life, saying basically, you're a nice guy who died honorably, but you also slaughtered a whole lot of other nice guys who just happened to be the enemy soldiers. So enjoy the reward of living forever. But spoiler alert, it's also sort of going to get really lonely and suck. Now he is a Dokebi a.k.a. a goblin. In Korean mythology, dokebis are formed by the spiritual possession of an inanimate object, such as a discarded household item, like brooms or tools stained with human blood, like Kim Shin's sword is stained with human blood. So as the myths would state, goblins didn't usually show up as humans or like in a human form. So the writer for Guardian or Goblin took some liberties there because it wouldn't really be awesome if the romantic lead was like, a hammer, or a shovel. But it also helps explain why the heroine jokes about removing the sword and returning Goblin to his broom state, something that was originally a bit lost on me. Most Korean legends have Dokebi in their stories. They are about Dokebi playing pranks on mortals or punishing them because of their evil deeds. They can reward people with great wealth and also protect against evil spirits. Okay, so after we see warrior Kim Shin lose his life and then get resurrected, the show flashes to 1998 where the Goblin becomes accidental roommates with a grim reaper who has no name and no memories. Kim Shin then crosses paths with an orphan high school student, Jiyun Tak, who has the power to summon him at will by blowing out a flame. And not only that, she also has the ability to see ghosts who claim that she is the Goblin Bride. That should be good news for Kim Shin, but here's the twist. It's only when he has the opportunity to finally die that he actually wants to live. So let's start with a question here. Out of curiosity... Would you like to be immortal? Yes, no, why? So I'm going to go with no. I, I I personally don't think our minds are uh, equipped for that. I don't even think we're equipped to handle the insane 24-hour news cycle. I'm also a huge procrastinator. So for me, if you told me I just had like eternal life, I would literally just probably sit in bed and watch K-dramas for like the first 300 years. I mean, I am like horrible at staying on task unless I have like a specific deadline. So you got to tell me like, okay, you're eventually going to die. So you got to accomplish some stuff. That's just me. I mean, my brother and I talk all the time about we were looking at magazine and the one of the little headlines was how to live to 100. And my brother and I both looked at each other and we we're like, we don't want to live to 100. Like that, that was never our goal. You know, I don't know. So that's just me. And I, I know I'm different, but I'm going to go with no. Yeah, I actually saw like a news headline recently that was some guy whose goal now is to live to like hack life to get to 180. And I was like, you know, you'd have to sell me on like what that looked like post like 85, probably for me to buy in. (laughs) But that being said, you know, this is a thought exercise. And I am going to pretend like, you know, we can just like hit pause or even roll back the clock. And if so, I would opt for immortality, you know, I think of all the weird hobbies that I could indulge in. You know, I have always had a weird sub fantasy of becoming like a gargoyle scholar. I also have a big fear of horses, so I'd have a lot of time to work on that. <laughs> and so I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I'm not trying to learn. I'm learning a lot about I'm not trying to be an a hole because I was also like, oh, you know, like I have to be like, well, my new like <laughs> second act is a gargoyle scholar, but like losing all my family <laughs> or whatever. And so like, yes, that's a tough part. But, you know, therapy and then like Buddhist practices into like getting over attachment and like, you know, eventually I feel like, you know, in a couple of hundred years, I could kind of detach into like just exploring the arc of human existence. 
But again, then I start to go like, is there an end point? Does the sun eventually, you know, in 4 billion years explode and I'm immortal. So then I become like an asteroid. Like I need context for this, but I'm going to lean towards yes, immortality. This is my favorite explanation. (laughs) I just like, I want to be immortal so I can get over my horse phobia. I know. I just can't. I can't, Leah. Well, I just was trying to think of like what hobbies would I get into? And I was like, yeah, I'd probably get like, there's one. All of that was so Leah. I can't even like it. I'm dying. Oh my gosh. And what's funny is like Megan, I said pretty, like my thoughts are pretty much the same as yours. Mm -hmm. I would get nothing done if I was immortal. Like I need a fire lit under my butt to get a manuscript for a book done. If I don't have a deadline, nothing is going to happen. So I, yeah, I mean, like my first thought was I wouldn't want to do it without all the people that I love. Like I'd want my kids to stay immortal with me. I think that I'm going to get all philosophical too, but not about horse phobias. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be forever, forever. Yeah, because horse phobia. But I mean, you know what? Let's Let's just think about like King the Eternal Monarch. Like I could get to where like i'm on matt smith's like running you know let's just whatever end of episode 12 i'm all over it i want to watch you doing that leah anyway i think it's the idea of life being finite that makes us appreciate it and i think that is what happens with kim shin is he's around for like 939 years and he's over it right because he's really had nothing to fulfill him for so long until he meets g and tack and then it's like oh man i really want to live now so Mm -hmm. i think it's this idea of there has to to be something there to make us appreciate life to do something meaningful with it and so for me i would say no to immortality i'm not saying no to like 185 if like leah said we can like roll back the clock or something but completely immortal i don't i i think that that would i don't well, think Jim shin just need another hobby <laughs> he needed to get over his horse phobia <laughs> or maybe he just should have started studying surfing marbles. take maybe up some was- surfing kim shin i'm just saying you know there's like a big wide world out there <laughs> oh my gosh Okay, speaking of immortality, what were your thoughts on God and his decisions in relation to giving Kimshin immortality? I would say once they started to really show that God was sort of the puppeteer in this, I really started to get Greek God vibes. The gods on Mount Olympus would just kind of play around with mortals, like just insert things into their lives and see how they would react. And they had favorites and things like that. So when I looked at it that way, I didn't look at it more as like a loving god. I looked at it more as like he was one of many gods in a way. So as much as the conflict was pretty cruel, it was also fascinating to watch play out. So I'm always a sucker for high stakes where the romance is in direct conflict with one of the main character's goals. And Kim Shin wanted to end his immortal punishment. But in order to do that, he had to give up the love of his life. And then he had to end his life to save hers. So it was amazing storytelling. So props to God for uh, thinking that one up. (laughs) For me, God was like kind of complicated because, you know, I felt like he was kind of a bit of an ass. So like almost like a psychopath in that like, you know, he'd be like, okay, Kim Shin, you died nobly and, you know, go you. But, you know, you did kill other humans who are special to me. So, you know, you get this like quasi i mean like for me obviously not such a bad deal for kim shin less of you know good for a while it's played out but then like i think it was the fact that like okay and this is spoiler alert that like god jumped into Tiokwa and like was like just chilling just to like <laughs> cause some trouble around like the big house in soul i was like you know god really you just like i don't know it felt like a little bit like god had like a little bit of a psychopathic tendency 
But then I also was like, you know, but it is a little bit of that like Greek God playing around and not as deeply emotionally invested. And then like, how do you get that emotionally invested, I suppose, because you're God and apparently like all are equal to you. So it's like, oh, I'm kind of like interested in like Kim Shin and like effing around with his life a little bit. He's not like everything I got to do today. So (laughs) I don't know. I got to ride a horse. I mean, <laughs> but then like, for example, I really liked Sam Shin Helmoni, you know, like vegetable grandma, aka lady in red. And, you know, she kind of felt like more my people when it came to like gods. Although like, obviously she would like flip into formal speech when she was speaking to, you know, God, when he was basically like taking over the nephew's body. But personally, I just thought Sunny made the best call of all when, you know, God came around to her and was like, hey, I'm here to erase your memories. And Sonny was like, get out of here. Because I was like, yeah, God, you know, no offense, but I'm over it, God. So I saw I saw him as less vindictive. I saw, especially since he did like confer with the lady in red and he did, you know, sort of take what she said to heart. And part of me, yes, he was messing around a little bit, but I also see part of it as him making Kim Shin realize what's worth it in life, what's worth living for, going back to my whole, you know, immortality thing. And if you do the right thing, and if the love of your life is worth it, then I'm going to leave a door open. You know, when he talked about leaving that door open, he didn't close all doors for them. And he didn't make the end the end. This whole, I mean, we're talking about the whole series, so spoil, you know, all the spoiler alerts in the world. But he didn't make the end the end, that even when Untak died, we find out that she still has three more lives to live. So he gets to meet up with her again. He gets to wait for her wearing her red scarf and meet up with her again, you know, he, he years gets later. To. He gets and to that, sit. <laughs> or he gets, he gets to sit to. around and wait for his yeah. love. Yeah. Yep, he gets to do that. <laughs> Think about it. Think about what you've done, Goblin. Part of me was like, it wasn't all vindictive and it wasn't all sort of fun and games. And it was a little bit of a life lesson of appreciating what you have and doing what you must in order to have that joy in your life and giving him another chance to do it. So yeah, I don't know what the be all and end all will be for them, but I felt hopeful that the second time around that God was going to let them be and have their happiness. And I felt okay about that. And in the meet, and let's just, just a quick side note to uh, also Kim Shin got to wander around in whatever the snowy place, <laughs> like the purgatory was for a while. And God was like, oh, yes. you, you just want to hang here. All right, then. Like got out, he like, had fun for the next ten years on the snowy mountain. <laughs> ten years. I don't know. You know, I was just kind of like, okay. I mean, like I get it, but like, okay. He also like he killed people. I get it, but like that was his job. So like, give him a little. I just felt like God could have given him a little bit more of a slack. Yeah, give <laughs> it was like he was like a psychopathic like serial killer he was just a general and like yeah come on anyway moving on okay so this next question makes me laugh i want to give props to leah for coming up with these some of these fun discussion questions and when i read this one i laughed because never even crossed my mind so when you were watching goblin did it bug you when you know when untak was a baby and a little kid and we're in the 90s that everything in the 90s looks exactly like it does yeah today. i mean like if it wasn't for the little like I'm- 1998 like like pop up anyway megan what do you think i'm literally just so annoyed that i it didn't phase me i think because the majority of the show was when she was in high school so to me but i guess i just kind of forgot that that was the the past does that make sense? So I wasn't really paying attention that it was 1998. But yeah, now I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, they skipped ahead, what, yeah. 20 years? 
That's happened in multiple, it's happened in multiple dramas that I've watched so far. Like it happens whenever they're showing one of the main characters as a little kid or being born, it has to be like 15, 20 years earlier. And I'm always like, soul looks exactly the same in the nineties. Yeah. Does and now. I think part All right. of it is, you know, okay. So like, I don't want to like call out the director here, or whoever was in charge of making those decisions, but would it have been that hard to give it a little decade flavor? Because for me, like imagine Reaper with plaid flannel and docks. You know, he's a Nirvana fan, obviously, I feel like. But then I kind of did go down and I was like, but then Goblin and Cargo (laughs) Pants are like, you know, the overall with the strap. No. So, you know, I don't know. I mean... Sideways baseball hat. Even like a... Reaper would absolutely be a My Chemical Romance fan. I can just hear him with like... Yeah. That's not 90s, though. Come on. That's early 2000s. Oh, well, then he would uh, fade into that. You're, you're right. Though. No, you I didn't. Go back well, far you're, enough. you're a bit younger. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> I'm the baby. I'm the maknae. <laughs> Can we get you to do some egg yolk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But yeah, I mean, I'm obviously super forgiving of it because it's happened in multiple dramas. And I've, I'm just I've never curious, like, why they it. don't. Never like, thought... I just, like, is it like, because it, I was like, well, is it a budget thing? But I'm like, no, I mean, this had a pretty decent, like, set. So I'm just curious, like, there's somebody's made a decision somewhere or nobody's ever thought, like, someone's like, F it. Right? Like, I mean, it. like, when we go back in time, they're not just, like, dressed in normal clothes. And then, you know, I've seen K-dramas where they're in, like, the 50s, like, in Flash, like, you know, during King when they would, like, flash around or whatever. Spoiler alert there, I guess. But, like... Yes. Apparently, we have like a hard stop somewhere. What we need to do is watch, you know, the Reply series. I want to see like Reply 1988, which gets lots of hype. And so I'm assuming that's going to have a, yes, right? That's got to have a period flare in there somewhere. So I'm hoping, at least when Kim Shin's like, you know, warrior in the Goryeo dynasty, like he looks, he's not, he's not in cargo pants. He doesn't have an Apple Watch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like they've made a choice at some point to be like 1990. <laughs> 2021 same diff <laughs> and also it's the entire korean entertainment industry so again who made this decision like the president or what <laughs> president's like look you've got 20 minutes of the first episode in the 90s don't worry about it anyway uh, that's so great Liam. i'm so glad you brought that up i'm dying now though yeah. to see to see Lee Dong look in, yeah, in flannel. Think, right? And like, and, and like the hair just like grow yeah. out just a tiny bit more, like the Kurt Cobain kind of like chin length. Oh, yeah. Maybe an eyebrow oh, ring. Megan, I like this. I like this aesthetic. <laughs> and now it's time for our favorite segment, our K recommendation of the week. I am going to be talking up Aquel Licorice pH Balancing Cleanser Toner. So last time I gave a rec, I talked about the Then I Met You Cleansing Balm. And I, I really love the name of that too. It just feels like kind of like an OTT name for some cleansing balm. Like Then I Met You. And so anyway, like I talked about how I do a two-step face wash process. But then, you know, there is like a 10-step process to Korean skincare. So I'm going to give a shout out on my next step, which is toning. And toning pre-COVID, you know, I didn't really tone much in the past. I didn't really understand what toning was. It felt like kind of like an expensive something that I didn't really like care about. But as I've been on my skincare journey, I've realized, you know, I don't really love having like bigger pores or little weird dried out patches. And so toning is the answer for that. It does a lot of heavy lifting in terms of balancing everything out. So Aquel Licorice pH Balancing Cleansing Toner, which is a mouthful, it 
does have 10% licorice root water and licorice is an anti-inflammatory. So it helps diminish redness. And I'm starting to laugh because I'm thinking, you know, if I was immortal, my skin would be freaking rad because that would be another hobby is just like playing around with skincare all the time and learning all about anti-inflammatory skincare remedies. In this case, I feel like toner is a nice little bridge from like when you get your skin freshly scrubbed to being actually moisturized. So toning, not overrated. So apparently goblins aren't just the gross monsters depicted in The Hobbit or the anti-Semitic stereotypical hook-nosed greedy money managers at J.K. Rowling's fictional Gringotts Bank. In Goblin, our hero is a six-foot-tall drink of water, serving up some tailored long jacket, floppy-haired, turtleneck-wearing, boyish dimple-flashing adorableness. Existential angst has never looked quite so charismatic. So for you guys, what are some qualities that make a hero charismatic? Gong you. (laughs) That's all I got. Gong you. Especially this. Like, I have a lot of favorite K-drama actors, but I don't think that I will ever get over the charisma of Gong Yu as Kim Shin. Like, that is just tops for me so far. Nerd alert warning. So, fun fact is the word charisma comes from the Greek word charism, a.k.a. gift of grace. And Greek, there's like kind of like a Greek theme going on in the show today, too. We're doing some like nod outs to the Greeks. So that word charism basically alludes to a person being like bestowed by some type of divine charm. And in our modern world, taking out like the divine factor, I think it's like then kind of like moved on to becoming like a person who has just like that certain X factor, an intangible but recognizable characteristic. And that's where to me, like when you say Gong Yu, there's like a blurry line between a character like Goblin or Kim Shin and an actor like Gong Yu, because, you know, as a human being, you know, doing his thing, I'm sure Gong Yu is, you know, a flawed person. He's probably not perfect. He's not like an iconic romantic fictional character. But at the same time, like, as a human non-actor, like he has an aura about him. There's some intangible, like star power it factor. So he's handsome, but you know, I think that I would say that there's like more classically, like generically beautiful actors out there, but it's that he has like some sort of talent that like, well, I don't feel like he like disappears in a role. Like when I watch him in roles, like I'm always aware I'm watching Gong Yu, but he like has this power to like bend the role to him, if that makes any sense. So I was like trying to unpack like how I feel about this, but it's like, I see him have like similar mannerisms and behaviors in different characters that he plays, but they never feel redundant because somehow they're like unique to each character he's playing. Does that make sense? Like he's got whatever it is. He's got it. Yeah, he's got it for sure. Yeah, I really love that. I love what you said about that he is always uniquely him in his role. He's not necessarily transformative, which I think is fine. And I and because I think it works for him since he does have that it factor because I do think it's it's there's also something about his presence. I mean, he is tall in all the roles he plays, but I think so some you know, I don't necessarily just mean physical presence. I mean, it's the aura he seems to exude in whatever, you know, situation he's in. I mean, for me, a quick wit is always important as well to make a character charismatic, but they need the presence and the confidence to pull that off. That's always my necessity for a charismatic hero. So speaking of Gong Yu and Kim Shin, what's your favorite Kim Shin moment? 
I mean, I have a long list of these, but the first one that came to mind was when Kim Shin and Untak go on an actual sort of date and they go to the movies and they are seeing a zombie movie. In fact, they're seeing Train to Busan. And Kim Shin, Gong Yu is Kim Shin, who is this great warrior from the Goryeo dynasty who killed all these people. And that's why he has been immortal for these past 930 plus years, remembering his sins and all of that. He is terrified of zombie movies. And so the scene is one of the funniest scenes, I think, in the whole series when they're at the movie theater. And it's just sort of like take after take and like all these different takes that are in the show of him jumping because he's scared, throwing his popcorn because he's scared, screaming because he's scared. And she's so embarrassed. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's laugh out loud. And the first time I watched it, I did not get that it was Train to Busan. I didn't notice it at first and took another viewing to notice and it's that. So it's meta. so meta. Yeah, funny. he's scared of himself. So, I was just going to say it's so meta. Sorry, but he's scared of words. himself. I love um, it. <laughs> It is. It's so it's so funny because he's on the screen. So yeah, I love when pop culture gives a shout out to pop culture. And that was just so much fun to watch. I love when shows are meta. It's my favorite thing. I just started watching Tale of the Nine-Tailed and the lead actor is Lee Dong-Wook, who also played the Grim Reaper in Goblin. And in the very first episode, there's like a Grim Reaper mention. So, you know, Lee Dong-Wook is a sassy Fox in Tale of the Nine-Tailed, but he says that there's a men- there's a mention about Re- Grim Reapers, and Lee Dong-Wook says something about the Grim Reaper being pretty, and it just made me laugh because you know he he's so famous for that role, and it was clearly put in there just to be meta, and I just love it so much. So the relationship between the Grim Reaper, played by Lee Dong-Wook, and the Goblin, played by Gong Yu, is their their friendship's my favorite. I just love how they start out at odds but eventually start to really care about each other and they mourn when the other is going through something really hard. They like literally mourn for each other. And I just, I love it. So my favorite Kim Shin moment has to involve the Grim Reaper. And it's when Untak has been kidnapped and she's in the back of a car and her kidnappers are trying to extract information from her. And all of a sudden all the lights on the the road go off And there's this like slow motion shot with like, you know, creepy smoke because it's dark. This creepy smoke and the Grim Reaper and the Goblin come walking with long trench coats in slow motion. And the music is, you know, very dramatic. And it is, oh, I replayed that scene so many times because I was just so into it. So K-dramas love their slow-mo and I super appreciate it. Yeah, I love everything about when like Reaper and Goblin are together. And I think one moment I really particularly loved, I think it was episode two. And it was the underwear song that Reaper sang to Goblin, like when he's folding the underwear, because it was just like kind of like this like random what and then Kim Shin just gets like all worked up and angry. And so I ended up like that night doing a little deep dive about it. And you know, this isn't like massive scholarship, but you know, I went to Reddit and then Reddit took me to Tumblr. But I did find what looked to be to me a fairly credible like translation of like the song because it's actually a um, a nursery song. Basically, the song goes, you know, I don't have the tune. It doesn't sound as catchy as I'm sure it is, but it's like Dokabi's panties are strong and tough, strong and tough, made of tiger's leather, sustainable for 2000 years. Dokabi's panties are dirty, stinky and dirty, made of tiger's leather, didn't wash for 2000 years. And 
I don't know. That's just hilarious. And I just love that they like put that in as just kind of like, you know, there must be like this like nursery rhyme and just to like have like Reaper basically be like, ha ha, like what's up with your undies? What did you do with them to get a song? That was like a really fun moment. And then another thing I love that I liked the scene, but I loved it so much better when I watched the behind the scenes because there's two episodes on Vicky after the show of like behind the scenes. But there was like, you know, this day where Goblin was really feeling himself and he asks Reaper and Jekwa to like come to the sauna with him. And and the behind the scenes, like you see, like that's like a funny moment. But like what made it awesome was, you know, the actors like Gung Yu and Lee Dong Wook talking about like how to work the scene out. And they came up with this idea that like Goblin will stand in front of them and fold his hands behind his head and like pose and like give a little glimpse of abs and just like show him just like really like in himself at that moment. And then Lee Dong Wook, which to his credit, because he is just like a beautiful, handsome angel of a human. I just love that like he was willing to just act like a complete goober and try to like do the same pose too, because he's never going to be like outdone. The Reaper's never going to be outdone by the Gobbler. But when he does it, it's like super awkward. He like walks out of the room in like the same pose as Goblin. But then what was super fun, and neither of them knew it as actors, is after they left... The other actor, Yuk Sung Jae, who plays Jack Hua, like the uncles leave the room and then he strikes the same pose just like laying on the couch. And like the whole thing just was like super goofy and endearing and I loved everything about it. And then my last Kim Shin that I just wanted to touch on quickly was just his balls to walls crying that happened in the tea room in episode 16. And I'd like to hear Amy address this because I I don't think I can ever watch it again. Like it destroyed me. And I believe Amy, that you've watched it quite a lot. And so I'd love to hear you speak to that because I don't know if I can ever handle watching it again. It hurts so much. And I sob every single time, but I, I think the reason why I watch it over and over again, and the reason why I can is because I know what happens later and I know that it's not the end for them, even though it's a the most gut-wrenching scene, I think, I've ever watched in a K-drama so far, but I'm so in awe of his performance that I don't know. I just love watching it. I sob every time, but he's so amazing. And the fact that he is able to do that on screen with, you know, however many other people are in the room, you know, on the set doing this and that he can just do that is beyond anything I think I've ever seen from an actor before. And I just love to see him perform. And that's him like performing at his like utmost for me but yes it's awful and i stop so kim shin's character had a very particular style so thoughts on his aesthetic and any particularly favorite wardrobe pieces i have a combo that i like which is a turtleneck and a long coat but i think it's just a coat in general with the turtleneck because the coat game in this drama is unbelievable like i would like to see the wardrobe rack of just the coats so whether it's a long wool coat trench coat or even the puffer coat that he wore at the ski resort just with that turtleneck popping up out of it i don't know it does things to me it really does me too i am all about the coats so i don't know if you remember because after this year's inauguration coats were like all the talk because it was really cold especially biden's family had (laughs) the best coats and i just and i just remember the tweets the next day were like coats had the best day like absolutely (laughs) coats had the best day what a great day for coats and that's all i could think about when i was watching goblin i was like this k-drama like coats are winning i mean i was just looking through google images because and i forgot that goblin had this like 
black leather coat with like a cream color, like Sherpa interior and like a faux fur trim. I mean, come on, the coats. I want all of them. Same. I want the rack and I want to know what stylist gave these guys the coats. Uh, you're killing me about thinking of Gong Yu and Lee Dong Wook at the inauguration with their coat game. And yeah, the coat. I was thinking of favorite I had was Kamala Harris's stepdaughter, the Ella Emhoff look of like, remember it was like the plaid, but had like the sparkle on the shoulder. Ooh, that was a good. Oh, she's the best. I think they just, and yeah. she just signed a modeling yeah. contract. I saw. I was like, good for you, because that coat was fantastic with, like, the oversized yeah, collar. Yeah, no, everything oh. about her. Yeah, I started following her on Instagram, actually. I think she's awesome. But anyway, okay, back to outfits. Yeah. So I had one. I don't, okay, so my daughter now is watching Goblin, and I've jumped in a few times. And at one point, she was like, Mommy, what? <laughs> what's he wearing? And it was, I don't even know what to explain. So Kim Shin is chilling in, like, what I can only describe as like a mauve Eileen Fisher reminiscent leisure wear, like turtleneck and like flowy pant combo with a cardigan. And yet it was hot <laughs> and it looked like he raided my closet. So I was like, I'm pretty sure I've got that outfit like in my closet. So we're obviously meant to be like best buddies. <laughs> So many cardigans. I did forget. About he did. That. And I, I love a cardigan. I love a cardigan and a turtleneck. But like the fact it was like mauve and like pant and top together. But I was also like bold choice, you know, go big or go home. I love a good cardigan. Yeah. You know, he's a goblin. He's a Goryeo general. And he's also a therapist, apparently. <laughs> Okay, I just had to Google Eileen Fisher, and I'm dying. So I wear a lot of Eileen Fisher. Spoiler alert. That's what I'm saying. This is, like, my aesthetic is... Like, oh, there's no. nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying, oh, my God, no, it's, it's literally it's gone like you. It's like therapist gone wild clothing. <laughs> <laughs> or is that a brand? Should we be calling it Mylene oh. Fisher now? So that... <laughs> I'm just saying I'm a big oh fan. Don't God. sue me. I wear all your clothes, Eileen. Eileen Fisher is going to be our first sponsor. <laughs> Perfect. And then, like, what really what needs to happen is, like, Yogi needs, like, that endorsement, that fatty Eileen Fisher endorsement, because I'd be one clicking those ads every day. <laughs> okay, so the game I have in mind is called Guess Who is Coming to Dinner? And the premise is you have an opportunity to invite one character from Goblin over for dinner. So not the actor in real life, but the fictional character. So who are you inviting? What's on the menu? And what's one question you'd like to ask? Okay, so who I wanted, this is actually easy for me to choose the person. So I absolutely want to have dinner with Sunny. I loved her character so much. I thought she was really interesting. So obviously, you know, spoiler alert, but she has a past life that is very important. Well, she was Goblin's sister in a past life. I'll just say it because I said spoiler alert. But I just felt like they gave her or she played with this depth that it felt like there was history within her. I don't know how to explain it. Just the way she was sort of very contemplative about things. But then she was also very modern. And I thought with her speech, with the way she treated others, I loved her so much. So I feel like we would definitely eat chicken because she was a chicken shop owner. Wasn't wasn't she always snacking on radishes? Radishes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'd have some radishes. That was like my favorite too. I loved when she would just sit there and stare out the window and pop these crunchy radishes in her mouth. Like she looks so effortlessly cool doing it. I wish I would look that cool eating radishes. She's so beautiful. Um, The actress is you in a, by the way. And what would I ask her? Oh, 
I would ask her what it's like to kiss the Grim Reaper. That's all I want to know. That's a pretty, I mean, pretty fair question, I mm-hmm. would say. And, you know, my my first instinct, of course, was to say Kim Shin because I just love Kim Shin. But I went with Untak, Jean Tech. And we would be eating meat, of course, because it's all she ever wants to eat is meat. So I would have, you know, a nice filet for her <laughs> um, while we gabbed. Uh, a nice filet. <laughs> <laughs> You know, make her a nice filet. And I would want to ask her what it was like in the afterlife, because spoiler alert, she dies. And also what it was like growing up knowing who the goblin was. Like she grew up knowing that she was going to find him when she was old enough to do so, you know, in her second life. And so what that was like waiting for him, because she was waiting just as long as he was, right? Like she was waiting for him while she was in the afterlife and she was waiting for him while she was growing up. So we got to see what it was like for him. I want to know what it was like for her and also what goes on, you know, when you walk up those stairs outside the tea shop. I'm going to circle back and say Kim Shin because, you know, obviously we have a lot in common in terms of our style. So I think we do some like light shopping (laughs) together, get matching cardigans. (laughs) I see us getting like some bougie food because I mean, like, I think that Kim Shin's like a little bit of a secret bougie. So like maybe we'll get like some avocado toast and like <laughs> a green smoothie. <laughs> I'm a millennial. I kind of want to get my hair done with him. Like I want the floppy hair. Like I want to like twinsy it out for the day. <laughs> oh my God. I'm dying at the two of you. Like makeover montage, walking through Eileen Fisher and then coming out of a salon. I can, I can see it. I can totally see it. Kim Shin and I just like day in the town, just us girls. And the <laughs> question I'd like to ask, I mean... I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go full circle here. I'm gonna have a narrative arc for the podcast, and I'm gonna ask him what his favorite hobby he's taken up with. <laughs> How did you make it through these nine hundred? Like give plus give me years. some tips. What did you like, do? I know, like I got horses, but I bet you've got some other ideas for me. He had what the throwaway of like hanging out with his buddy Shakespeare. You know, I mean, like he's got he's he's been around. Like I'd like to know, you know, like yes, you're you know you're having a moment, but you know it hasn't all been bad. So lay it on me. What's been fun for you? I want the Eileen Fisher makeover montage. I really do. I would pay real, real solid cash to to watch that. Absolutely. So we're at the part of the show where we are going to do some romance book recs. But I think to tie in for that, you know, what genre would you classify Goblin as? And also then like, what would be a pairing that you would make to a romance book in that genre? So my first reaction was urban fantasy because it takes place in the real world, but we've got some fantasy going on. That was my take on it. And I really, I love any kind of fantasy and the book rec that I'm going to make, it's not exactly urban fantasy because it happens more in a rural area, but I, you know, rural urban fantasy, I don't know. But I'm going back to my my young adult roots and I'm going to recommend The Raven Boys by Maggie Stiefvater. It's a four book series, The Raven Cycle, and it's more than just a romance. It is an ensemble cast, but the first line of book one pretty much sets the tone for the entire series and I love it. And here's the first line from the book. Blue Sergeant had forgotten how many times she'd been told that she would kill her true love. I mean, do you need to know any more about a book to want to read it than that? It's got psychics. It's got ley lines. It's got 
people with magical powers. It's got a hero who wants to find and wake a sleeping king and ask this sleeping king Glendower for a favor. It's just got so much going on. But at the heart of it, there is this romance between Blue and this guy Gansey. But she knows, or at least she's been told, it's been prophesied that if she kisses him, he'll die. So that is The Raven Boys by Maggie Seafodder. Four books if you want to commit. Um, yeah, so I think definitely it's kind of a mix between urban fantasy and paranormal. And I guess the first series that came to mind for me was the Black Dagger Brotherhood series by J.R.R. Ward. The first book is called Dark Lover. And this is a vampire series. And I really love it because it's like a group of vampires. So as the series title suggests, it's a pretty strong brotherhood, which is always one of my favorite aspects of romance books. I just love a strong, like, core group whether it's a core group of the heroines or a core group of the heroes but her heroes are always super conflicted they're immortal well sort of it it gets complicated but they're always charismatic and the stakes are always really high i mean almost always the romance is in direct conflict with whatever goal the hero or heroine needs so that that was definitely just the first series that came to mind and i mean i remember i binged the crap out of these books i remember i got all the ebooks from my library and poured over them. I was so hooked. And it's like still going. I mean, she's still pumping out the book. So I recommend it. Yeah, I've read some of those during the pandemic and really enjoyed. For me, I kind of take it as like, yeah, it's a fantasy. It's got some paranormal. It's also got like a fairy tale mashup with like nods to like folklore. And so for me, a correlation that I want to recommend that I think everyone should read because it's probably I'm going to make a call that it's like my favorite trilogy of all time is the Winter Night series by Catherine Arden. The first book is The Bear and the Nightingale, but it follows a young orphan who can see and talk to spirits and set in medieval Russia. And then it follows like her kind of coming into her power and, you know, getting into all sorts of different like high stakes situations. But throughout it all is like a growing slow burn relationship with a frost demon who is also like the god of death and takes people into the afterlife. And his name is Morosko. And like, there's something about like the exasperated God that like has so much power, but also kind of has like this like little bit of darkness and is also just kind of like brought to his knees by, you know, a plucky young human. And is with her as she grows over time and like ages. So I think that there is like kind of like a good correlation to that series if you're a fan of Goblin. And so I do recommend it. It's called the Winter Night series and it's by Catherine Arden. She's one of those authors that you read and you're like, well, what's the point of writing anymore? Because she's so good. But it's also really motivating and exciting when you come across authors like that. Well, right now we are doing a buddy watch. So so let's shout out what it is that we're watching together and just do some quick hot takes on how it's going for us so far. So we are watching Tale of the Nine-Tailed. We've all just started it this week. And so far, I really, really enjoy it. It's got some goblin vibes to it. It's got Lee Dong-Wook as the main character, and it's got some goblin vibes to it. But I would say it's darker. There's some scary stuff in this one. Like I was on the edge of my seat for a lot of goblin stuff, but I felt like it was much lighter. And there's definitely some scenes in Tale of the Nine-Tailed where I'm really creeped out. And then it goes to like a really funny scene. So I, I love that kind of balance to it. But yeah, I'm almost three episodes in and I'm really enjoying it. What I find interesting is I just watched Touch Your Heart and Lee Dong-Wook was in that one. Clearly, I'm on a binge uh, of Lee Dong-Wook. You know, don't judge me. But anyway, in Touch Your Heart, he was kind of this like uptight, very, you know, logical, stuffy, in a way, lawyer. You know, his sense of humor was kind of low. And I don't know. 
And then to go from that to Tale of the Nine-Tailed, I'm just like, okay, I appreciate now your acting ability because in Tale of the Nine-Tailed, he's like this sassy fox who's like just over it he's funny he's also a little bougie like he doesn't like like there's a scene where he was like oh i'm not sleeping there and like he is a he, all he wants to eat is mint chocolate chip ice cream and he gets really mad if he can't find it and it's like adorable but i do agree with amy it's definitely darker there's more violence the violence doesn't make me uncomfortable but there is violence and what i like about it is that there feels like way there's a lot more mystery and i'm really loving the mystery aspects of it because the main heroine is kind of an investigative journalist and that's what she does is she studies sort of like paranormal happenings i love that she like throws herself full force into things she doesn't get scared actually i kind of wish she would get more scared because she kind of is just entering things that she shouldn't be so i love that aspect of it because i love her and I finally, like the first two episodes, I was like, uh, I'm, I'm missing the chemistry a little bit. And then I feel like the chemistry between the two characters really kicked in in like episode three. And now I'm really into it. I echo all of that. So A, I find it to be scary enough that there's times where I'm legit just closing my eyes because, or like, you know, like watching through my lids so I can close them really fast because I'm like, oh, like something's going to happen. And it's definitely not going to be like, oh, something's going to happen and yay, it's all okay. Like something's going to happen and this is going to get real bad real fast. And like how some of the, like the characters in the show are like being punished and then like doing like insatiable eating or, you know, when the other guy was like so thirsty and he was like drinking the toilet water. Oh, that was so scary. At the same oh. time, Lee Dong-wook, like, I think he's done a good job with the other two shows I've seen him in, Goblin and Touch Your Heart. But really like coming into his own even more as a leading man, I think, and just really like owning all the scenes. And I like that there wasn't the chemistry right away between he and the female lead because he's meant to be like waiting for his like true love, right? So if he was all of a sudden like chemistrying it up with like her right out of the bat, I would have been like, oh, well, you... You know, and there's obviously a mystery there, but like the fact is that like, you know, I kind of like that it's like growing slowly. And the big scene stealer for me is Kim Bum, who was in uh Yeah. Yes, Boys I Over to Flowers. Kim Bum. And I really liked his role in Boys Over Flowers, but like he's grown up a bit and I just love that he he's had some vulnerability in his scenes where you're like, okay, you've been through a few things, but like there's also just like this glee. I love it when a bad guy's like gleefully evil sometimes. And the fact that they, like, actually eat people's livers, like, you know, like, the fox shifters are out there, like, just gobbling up the people's livers, you know, and you're like, oh, and then they're, like, just talking about it amongst themselves and, like, haha, that was fun. <laughs> and you're like, oh, man, this is creepy and it's good. So I like it. I like that it's creepy. And I think it's really surprised me. I went in with not low expectations, but, you know, I tried not to have any expectations. I was trying not to get hyped by it. I didn't read reviews one way or the other. And so far, I'm really, really, really enjoying it. Yeah, I really like the the fact that there's some more myths. Like I've actually find myself really wanting to research more about like foxes within like the Korean mythology and lore. Like there's one scene where he can't cross over primroses. I don't know if you guys got to that scene yet, but it's not really a spoiler to tell you to only say that. But he like can't step over them. And I thought that was really like, why? You know, so I that's one thing I really want to go back and then research more, which I always love shows that make me want to look up lore. So yeah, so I'm really into that. And yeah, I love a good I love a good plot where there's like some mystery and and I and you know what, now that you say that about the chemistry, you're right. He had he of course he was holding himself back. But now he's like, 
starting to I don't yeah. know recognize in her what he had in his original love and I think that's what's hooking him now and I'm really I can't wait till she starts to fall as well yeah she is a toughie, a toughie and I do like that you're like she should be more scared but then like you know since I'm such a wimp I do appreciate when like the woman's like nope I'm going in you're kind of like oh boy we'll do a deep yeah, dive yeah, on well, this but like, I will say we're, just we're really already, quickly like deep diving know that um, the fox shifter thing they're normally women I think in mythology who eat hearts so having there be like men and women shifters and the focus to liver. And I mean, like, yeah, we'll do a deep dive on this. So put pause there. The next episode will not be about Tale of the Nine Tales. It's going to be continuing the deep dive into Guardian, the Lonely and Great God. We are going to be talking a lot more next time about Reaper, the greatest bromance in the history of bromances. You know, the age gap that happens like there's a lot of like controversy about the age gap in the you know main couple's relationship so is it weird is it all right thoughts and then also why is Sunny such a scene stealer so really looking forward to keep talking about goblin with both of you well that's it for now everybody so we're gonna say what we always say at the Anya. end of the show Anya. Anya. Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong! Annyeong!